small or small Boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white And welcome to Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy The podcast specifically for kids musicians By a occasionally specific kids musician Today on Barn Banter We're going to revisit one of our favorite new themes and memes It's called Split Personalities What? What did you say? Uh, split personalities. What the heck is that? Oh, well, uh, split personalities, it's this uh, thing that I'm doing on the podcast where I write up a bunch of questions, like mm-hmm. 20 or 30 questions. I yeah. email them out to another uh, performer for uh-huh. kids and families, and they answer the questions by uh. recording them. Then they send me the MP3 file right. and a couple of their songs, one that represents uh-huh. the music that they do for the, the little ones and uh-huh. one that represents uh, the song that represents uh-huh. what they do for the, for the bigger ones. Right, right. And then they answer the questions that I've written uh-huh. and we get to hear all about what they do. So you don't really interview them at all, do you? Well, no, I, I do interview them. And no. today... No, man, you're just phoning it in. This but like, I do. I interview them and I... Wait, wait, wait a second. Just, what am I doing? I'm talking to myself. Uh, oh, I'm doing it again. Never mind. Oh, it's that split personality thing. Okay. I'll see you later. So, uh, today, we listened to an interview with Kelly Caldwell out of Portland, Oregon. Now, Kelly is really neat. She is a mother of twins. She's been uh, doing the mother thing for about six years. And that's about how long she's been in the uh, kids' music area. Before that, for about 20 years, she was writing songs for adults. And so we get to hear her whole story about how she balances it, how she writes it, how she gets inspiration. First up, though, Kids Song. This one was a 2019 West Coast Songwriters International Song Contest winner. It's Turtle Turtle, and it's by Kelly Welly. tortoises they live on land we're talking about turtles they live in the water and on land too turtle 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 is a little bit unusual she likes to wear a costume every day of her life she's super social soaking in the pools of other animals she doesn't seem scared at all Looking animal, it might be a turtle in disguise. Otherwise, it might be a Homo sapien.
So in answer to the question, who are you? I feel like that's actually kind of a big question. It's a small question that is a big question um, because I feel like I wear a lot of hats and have a lot of internal drive to do things, creative things that I just don't have enough time for. I'm a mom, so I have six-year-old twins, and so my time is especially limited by that, but um, also just all the ideas buzzing around in my head all the time. I have to um, just pick and choose what I'm going to work on at any given time, and that can be tough uh, because it's fun and exciting to meet a new idea and uh, explore where it's going. So I am Kelly Caldwell, and I am a songwriter. I've been writing songs for about 20 years or more just for myself and for fun, and then at some point decided to focus on it a little bit more and try to actually bring it out of the hobby zone and into um, more of a professional space. But it was about the time I had my kids uh, around six years ago or maybe when I was pregnant and thinking about and starting to feel like a mom that I also started focusing on children's songwriting and I really feel like that's where I prefer to spend time in performing. Um, again, the limited time that I have, I'm definitely driven more there to connect with the kids and uh, parents whose experience right now is my experience right now as a parent. So I love that part of performing for kids and grown-ups. I like to say that I write songs for kids and the people who love them because I'm really trying to reach kids, but also the parents who are, you know, sometimes being a a parent, especially if you're a stay-at-home parent, um, can be kind of a lonely thing to do, and your brain needs a little bit more grown-up stimulation sometimes, and so especially with music that you might be listening to over and over and over and over and over and over again. I love that I get feedback from parents that they enjoy my kids' music, quote-unquote kids' music, um, because it's there are smart pieces in there and they get the jokes that kids may not get. And I'm also speaking to them and their experience. So that's really rewarding to hear that from them. Uh, Generally, I've been, like I said, songwriting for about 20 years, and then I was on the board of the Portland Songwriters Association for about eight years. And currently, I guess I'm kind of a lifetime member of that because I created their website and logo and a bunch of stuff for free. So honorary there even though I'm not actively participating Um, but I am currently a member of the West Coast Songwriters Association and um, Nashville Songwriters Association and just new member with the Children's Music Network and I'm also a um, member of the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators comma I mean I'm used to not comma (laughs) I'm used to Uh, voice transcribing a lot. I'm also a member of that Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators because I'm interested in having some children's books published. I have a master's in publishing and a background in speech communication, foreign languages, and uh, marketing work, professional work. So I, like I said, I wear, I feel like I wear a lot of hats. I have a diverse skill set and it's been helpful as I've started to try to market my music for kids and otherwise. So, okay, the next question, I perform as Kelly Welly for children and 
Kelly Caldwell songwriter is what I call myself first in my adult space because I'm really focused on, um, I'm, I'm focused more on the craft of songwriting in the grown-up space right now. We, my bandmate Tim Euchre and I play acoustic guitars and sing and I lead and interact with the kids um, in our shows when we're playing for kids and Tim plays lead guitar. He's really the guitar that and all of the talent in the guitar that you hear in our recordings. He's really been an awesome friend and mentor and uh, he actually started out as my guitar instructor and then we eventually worked on some arrangements and we've been recording together for six or seven years now. I mean mostly kids songs but also some grown-up songs. Um, In our shows we have uh, a lot of interactive elements and I bring things like shakers and maracas and scarves and parachutes and I made these sunshine wavers we call them which are ribbons tied to these hoops and people wave them around and that's always really fun people put them on their ears like earrings they put them on their heads and um, it's just been really fun to have those interactive pieces that are unique to our show or, or some some of those pieces are unique to our show and we also wear a lot of funny hats right now in the show because I think it's fun to wear funny hats. And we have some songs I think I've actually written uh, since we started performing that are almost driven by the desire to wear a funny hat. I have a funny hat. I need a song to go with it. <laughs> For example, I have a song called The Hat Song right now. We are recording it, but we've been performing it for oh six months or so. And... It's all about how putting a hat on your head can help transform you uh, and your imagination to be anything you want. And so we change hats in the song and throw hats and um, celebrate hats and celebrate the imagination that way. It's really fun. We also have a, a song about potty training in which we wear poop emoji hats which is awesome and usually one of my favorite parts of the show we talk about potty training and celebrate so um hooray for hats and then uh, a lot of times we invite kids to come up and sing or or say things into the microphone especially during the froggy song that seems to be a favorite with little kids and it's super fun to have them sit on the stage, edge of the stage with me and uh, say ribbit and other fun froggy sounds uh, into the microphone and have the parents there with them. It's a fun experience. So that's a lot of what we do in our show. I've put out EPs in the children's space so far because I thought it would be kind of an easier place for people or way for people to try the music if they could just buy a short EP and for five dollars there are five songs and easy to pick up a CD and see if you like it. So I have started with a lullabies EP then put out a EP of animal songs later that year and then later an EP of love songs, but song love songs to children. So that's called the love EP. My plan has been for a while that I would eventually put those together into a compilation so it's easier to have everything together. But um, I was waiting, I've been waiting until I had enough time with my kids now in first grade and off to school a little bit longer to get my ducks in a row as far as marketing and doing a proper release rather than kind of working it all into tiny little two-hour or 20-minute slots here and there in a free time, quote-unquote. So that's what I'm doing. I'm hoping to release a full compilation CD here um, soon, um, or the plan is, is for that to come out in January or February of 2020 and then not long after that we'll be able to release another full album of new songs because we've already got most of those recorded. I've got 16 right now that are in the 
preparation for mastering final mixing phase and then we have probably another 20 songs that are on our little spreadsheet of various stages of production so it's been really fun i've brought in friends and other musicians to add an accordion and a flute and i brought in two little young friends um, jack and adric who are in middle school age range uh, who played the violin and the cello respectively so that was really cool that was their first time recording and they came in to play for the robot song which we've never performed live but I'm super excited about it was the result of me having asked a bunch of my little friends in the last year or two what I could write a song about for them. And so one little friend named Emmaus, who I think was eight at the time, said he wanted a song about robots. And the result is robots don't tell jokes. So that's now almost finished and coming out eventually once I get my ducks in a row (laughs) period in answer to the question about favorite venues I love preschool shows because the kids are just together in their safe space and it's really fun that they can jump in a pod and dance and just really get into it I feel like they interact more there than any of the other shows we've done and that's really fun to have that experience with them Questions about what I've learned as a musician, singer, songwriter, performer that's helped me when it comes to children's music. I haven't been performing actively that much in the adult space. So if that's what you mean, um, that's not really the angle I've come from. I've started performing more actively in the children's space, even though I've been writing in the adult space more for many, many years and focused on the craft there. So I guess one thing that came to mind about what I've, what's started to inform my songwriting from the performance part of uh, doing children's music is the interactive elements in songs and how that can really make a difference in the experience and engagement with especially the tiny kids and so whereas I didn't think about that at all in my first grouping of children's songs that I released now when I now I'm I find myself uh, sometimes thinking about songs from that starting point what would be fun for interactive uh, songs but not so much to just make it an interactive song but more to have that awareness as I maybe make a decision about a certain word or something like that but then I have some short little chant like songs that I've written recently and started opening the show with that really were driven by the interactive piece uh, or I'm interactive motivation I guess for example uh, I got a song called When You Dance. I open up with clapping, so encouraging the audience to get into it from the very beginning with some claps. When you dance, you feed my soul, my friend. When you dance, you feed my soul. When you dance, you feed my soul, my friend. When you dance, you feed my soul, my friend, my friend. Yeah, yeah, my friend, my friend. Yeah, yeah. With the joy you show, you feed my soul. When you dance, when you dance, my friend. And that's the first part of a three-part little thing I do. It's sort of the idea is to encourage them right from the beginning to get into the beat and the rhythm, but also to get that message from me that when you dance, it make it really is nourishing to me and I love it. And when you sing, it's wonderful. Uh, in addition to my life, it brings me joy. And when you laugh, that's the last part of it. It even heightens um, so much more. So uh, 
that's, I think that's a fun message to start with. I also think, um, this is maybe a little different angle to take, but, um, I think my experience as a mom with my own kids in the age range they are, they're six-year-olds. Again, I have a boy and a girl, twins who are six. And my experience with them has really informed my children's songwriting, which is kind of an obvious thing, but I don't know if everyone is in that active part of their life when they are writing children's songs. Uh, Again, because we're exhausted and busy, (laughs) but I've been a stay-at-home mom and my the way that I write is a cappella uh, with the lyrics and the melody just flowing at the same time and so I've actually been able to keep that as the creative um, thing I can do with my kids in the car or wherever when I'm occupied with them I can still be working on a little song in my head or even working on a song with them um, without having uh, to have any tools other than, uh, my voice and my, and the problem solving that goes into figuring out a song. And my kids have been part of that, which is really cool. But what I was getting to is that I also like the songs that have come from that, those interactions with my kids that I consider to be like tools for parents and kids alike for example, uh, we're almost there, we're almost there, a song for when you're in the car and everyone's tired and they want to know when you're going to get there. And so uh, that song came organically from being in my car with my six-week-old twins crying in the back seat and just not knowing what to do and starting to talk to them. And then it eventually turned into a song that we still sing. And uh, later I added a kind of a joke part to it that uh, didn't wouldn't have made sense when they were tiny, but then as they got older and I wanted to complete the song, then I added the, another part that uh, spoke more to where they were at that stage of their life in the toddler stage or the um, preschool stage. And then I have the waiting song, which is encouraging you know, something to do, sing this song in your head while you're waiting to play with a toy or go on the slide or something like that. And it might help you not feel like you had to wait so long and things like that, that have been useful actually as a parent. And I'm excited to share those with the parents who come to our shows as well as the kids and try to keep it fun, but also, hey, there's something you can use when you need it something to keep in your pocket for those times when you're feeling like you don't know what to do. Uh, You're tearing your hair hair out. (laughs) Another thing I feel like is helpful in my children's music is that I am very, very actively engaged with children's books. And as I said before, uh, trying to have some children's manuscripts published in the picture book space right now Um, I have a master's in publishing and I've done a lot of publication development in my professional life and my parents are both fine artists so I grew up surrounded by art and illustration and um, I, I just love books and I'm seeing that in my kids now that the mountains of picture books in our house have become as much treasures in their hearts as they are in mine and we my kids are are reading now and just really doing well in that space and hearing them read out loud to me and my husband now or our other family members in with inflection and excitement and enthusiasm they have is is so rewarding i feel like uh i've got i've gotten teased about how many picture books we have in our house and I'm sure that I've spent too much money on them and when we go to the library we come out with like 90 books (laughs) in book bags and it's a lot of books but that's really 
one of the best things I think I can do for my kids is to give them both a love of books and reading and a, and then this love for music that we've been able to cultivate together. So yeah, I feel pretty awesome about that. Anyway, I think um, keeping current with what's going on in children's books is also valuable in writing songs. And I've started to see a little bit more commitment right now to writing songs for children that speak to difficult situations or the time the difficult times that we're in and trying to uh, encourage people to embrace you know other cultures and other ways of thinking and and be inclusive and you know be be compassionate and loving in these ways um so songs with kind of this purpose beyond having fun or teaching the day to day but but thoughtful uh and important direction well that's really been the space that children's books have been in now basically since 2016 when some cataclysmic thing happened to us <laughs> at the center in Washington DC um you know everybody's been really evaluating what's important and what and trying to speak up for their particular sub portions of our culture or other and all portions of the culture that have been previously oppressed in some ways. And so although I don't think we want to lose the joy and fun in that's just a necessary part of both children's books and children's music and, and the, you know, super important piece in our children's lives and development is play and joy and bonding experiences with family and friends and that books and music help to facilitate those bonds so well um when we do feel like it's important to teach our kids to use their voices to also be fair and just and kind in the world music as well as as books is a good place to do that i i guess i would encourage anyone writing children's music to spend a lot of time in the children's book space as well if they don't already or if that's not you know in my case I've had I've been reading those books to my kids because they've been tiny and that's where we are now we're getting into chapter books and it's um, probably going to be a little bit different but if you aren't living in that space with children's books right now um, maybe maybe find some time to delve in a little bit and surround yourself by what's going on in that super influential part of their culture too. Now to your question about the adult side of my songwriting. I perform just occasionally, mostly in the songwriter showcase or recently at a songwriting uh, competition finals and um, really focus on the craft of songwriting or have been focusing there for a long time, uh, performing and more motivated to perform in the kindy space because of the interaction with the kids and uh, the families and maybe because, again, that's where I am in this time of my life with my kids. In terms of the style of the music I write in the adult space, though singer-songwriter, alt-folk is mainly how I would characterize it but I write in a lot of different genres and I write a lot I write pretty constantly pop country some rock some could be electronic some could be a jingle some could be musicals probably or I mean appropriate for musicals maybe I have a musical in me someday because I think that's really where I was influenced initially the most um, versus any particular artist. Um, I was influenced by 
I loved musicals growing up and I, I knew all the songs and I listened and watched the movies, the old movies and things like that. Um, anyway, up until now and recently in the last year, I think I've been focused on trying to create songs more for the purposes of, of, I mean, I mean, arrange and produce songs more for the purposes of pitching and things like that and, and honing the craft. But I think I've also been learning how and how to find my voice, maybe, um, getting to the space of understanding my voice in terms of arrangement and production. And that's been a process. So right now we are recording and in the final stages of a full album in the singer-songwriter alt-folk genre, really. And I'm more proud of this music that together with my friends Brian Dast and some other musicians he's brought in, we're creating and um, super excited to share those because I think I finally gave up on caring or worrying about whether or not the song fit in terms of arrangements some genre or space that I thought was viable um, in the professional realm um, and just decided I'm making the songs that I love the way that I love them and then maybe no one will even hear them but me but I will feel proud and like I honored the song or the story that has been basically like a friend to me over the years that I carry around with me until it's ready to or a child maybe I think of it as more like a friend but until it's ready to be made and then you know you move on to the next one and it gets to just be its own thing out there in the world its own um entity that commitment to just doing it for the sake of the song is one of the most liberating and wonderful things and I that's probably something other people have long since understood but for me I think the permission to do that has taken me a while to get to giving myself because it's expensive and um maybe because I you know have an, my own business I've had my own business and I grew up with fine artists for parents who were always struggling I felt like I have to justify my art by trying to do something with it what I didn't know is I needed to flip that around and just make the art and now I feel more professionally proud of what were the art we've made than I anything I've done before other than the kids music I've been really proud and excited about uh, what my friend Tim Euchre and Gabe, uh, my friends Tim Euchre and Gabe Johnston have helped me to create there. So how long have I been doing this? I think I answered before, but I, I've been writing songs for over 20 years and I then I connected up with some songwriter organizations at some point and then focused on the craft and tried to help rebuild a local songwriting organization. So I was on the board of that nonprofit for about eight years, uh, primarily trying to help songwriters connect and workshop and um, eventually learn how to pitch their songs. <clears throat> so I love to collaborate with other people and I've done some of that uh, with people who are either just doing it you know, in the same way that I've been doing it or more professionally and have had some good results there. But I write, again, really constantly and have tons and tons of songs and starts of songs and more than I've recorded. It's, I, there's just not enough time to focus on all of them. Um, eventually. My favorite question you asked is, do you think the adult music you write or play would be appropriate for children and uh, I think the short answer is it depends on the song but I also have kind of a funny story about putting my mother-in-law in an awkward situation because of 
writing in two different spaces <laughs> and um, being someone who's passionate about certain serious topics. Anyway, um, I, I do think it depends on the song first to talk about that first. And I think most would be fine. Um, sometimes though, I think I'm writing a kid's song actually. And it turns out to be that it could be more of a pop love song that could be addressed to kids or a love interest. Um, maybe even just dependent on one word in the song or, or not even necessarily just dependent on your perspective. So one example that I've re- written recently and that we're recording right now is I'm tentatively titling it the Rainbow Love Song. Uh, Roy or- Orbison had a song called Rainbow Love, so I'm trying to figure out what I want to do there. But um, I wrote this song as a request for one of my little friends and a lot of the songs I write in the children's space are inspired by the little kids in my life and I say that at the opening of the show and we open with a song I wrote for a little friend Ava after babysitting her when she was six months old and I didn't even have kids at the time but I just got inspired by the joy of being with her and and we open most of our shows with got so much love uh, which I think could work in a pop love song space as well. But I say that at a lot of the shows that I wrote this for Ava when she was six months old. And then her little sister, Aria, came up one day and said, will you write a song for me? And I realized, oh, yeah, I'm honoring this one little person in my life every time I say that and share that I wrote a song for her, but I've got tons of these little people around me that I would love to honor in that same way and make them feel special and, um, you know, what a cool thing to do and fun thing to do. And it has become really fun. I've been doing it for a bunch of little kids and out of it has come some of my favorite the favorite songs I've ever written have come out of this little project. So one of the requests was the robot song that I talked about before and a unicorn song with a Pegasus was one of the stipulations. And then another little friend, Reagan, who was four and a half at the time, wanted a song about hearts and hamburgers, which is a little bit challenging. (laughs) And she actually sent me back to the drawing board when I sang the first uh, chorus to her she I said what do you think Reagan do you like it or should I try again and she said try again <laughs> so but she was right because I the second song attempt I actually love so much and cannot wait we're recording it as well soon and I have, I've not shared it with anyone at a show or anything but um, it's it turned into something that honors both her and her mom who loves cooking and the grandparents in our lives who love making things for our kids as an expression of their love and um, the songwriting that I do as an expression of love for people in many ways so it's it's cool and I respect kids and their opinions so I'm thankful to Reagan for being honest with me about that back to the rainbow love song so Aria wanted a song about rainbows And I got this chorus pretty quickly. So I'll sing it. And then you maybe can see what you think. Is this a kid's song or a grown-up song? Or can it be both? Um, If I produce it as more of a grown-up song, would it be appropriate for kids? That's a good question. So here goes the chorus to the Rainbow Love Song. Two, three. If all of the colors of the rainbow were my love for you, together we'd be purple and apart I would be blue. We'd have happiness in yellow and our kindness would be green. Oh, darling, you are everything to me. Oh, darling, you are everything. And so sometimes I sing, Oh, darling, you are everything to me. Little darling, you are everything. And maybe just that one word might 
change in my head or change in people's perspectives, whether I'm talking to a kid or a grown-up. I don't know, but people call love interests little darlings sometimes. So I'm actually trying to record this with two different people right now because I love the song so much and I love the kind of universal message there too of loving everyone, you know, no matter who they are and, um, and the rainbow of cultures and, and, um, lifestyles and all of the messages we're really trying to break through with that, that everyone should be included and equal and loved for the spirit they are inside. Anyway, I, I'm excited to try it and see, I may release it in the kids genre with one arrangement and in the adult genre with another arrangement um, and see just, I don't know, I, I don't know if people do that, but it might be kind of cool. So I took the, the song though into the studio and the engineer I've been working with for a long time looked at the lyrics of the second verse, which um, as you may know, can often be harder to get the second verse set than the first um doesn't necessarily always flow that well but I really worked for a long time to try to get this to do what I thought would be could would eat would speak to kids and grown-up experiences so he said black and white and cold hard lines you know what is that about this doesn't feel like a kid's song and so I'll re I'll uh, sing the the second verse and see what you think it goes black and white and cold hard lines telling me who I should be then you showed up and reminded me a little color is what I need and I am free painting skies you make my heart new Ooh, if all of the colors of rainbow are my love for you and then it goes on with the chorus from there but the black and white lines in that verse refer to a child's coloring book but they also refer to the way people in our society try to force us into spaces and to stay within the lines or into boxes and categories and give us boundaries to define ourselves and words to define ourselves and I think there's a a place for those lines in our development as children and maybe as in our development as young adults but the first time you realize that you can color without those lines and the first time I remember realizing that or understanding that or you realize as a young adult that you don't have to fit into people's categories and boxes and I never really did that try to do that very much but it definitely is irritating to me when people try to box me in as one particular type of person and um, so figuring out that you just don't have to live by that limitation I think is a truly amazing feeling and one for an experience that both kids and grown-ups have and can be life-changing really so now there are other songs I've written that I definitely don't feel are appropriate for kids some because of the language but also because of the subject matter it's it's just not the space that they can relate to. It's not that I think they couldn't hear the songs, but I don't think they would fit their taste. And then if the story relates to serious stages in life that they're not in or complex relationships that are heavier, um, it just doesn't, you know, feel like where my kids are anyways, my six-year-olds or where they've been. Um, for example, I have a song called The Future Will Repay, which is about a man who spent his life in a factory job and he's had an alcohol abuse problem and he's been basically telling himself that eventually things will change and the future will 
repay for all of the pain. Um, and then he d- gets diagnosed with a terminal illness and he really never fulfills his personal dreams. And that's how I envisioned the end of the song. Um, so that's, you know, I don't think my kids have heard that song yet, but um, that was actually a finalist in the Local Roots song competition here in Portland that I felt really proud to go perform with. I had two cello players playing with me and um, just me singing and, and the cellists, and it's a very free-form timing, so it was an interesting project to get up there with them and figure out our groove to make it work. Other examples I have would be a song that I haven't recorded yet, but it's called She Outlived Them All, about a woman who loses everyone in her family over time and how she copes with that. Or Honor Their Memory is a song about or four soldiers with PTSD who may be suicidal and coping with survivor's guilt. That's something that I actually, I'm not a soldier or veteran, but I, I have coped with survivor's guilt on my own in my family circumstances and so it's a very personal song um and I've talked about a few other ones some protest songs that I've written I talked about that in the written um, response but the protest songs are about like anti-war songs and um for example one called serenity opens with this line could paint the Statue of Liberty with the blood from a million lies. Sit still at the hub of a nation. Turn the radio up to drown the cries. And not really, probably something I'd be excited about my kids getting into right now. <laughs> or I'm sure it wouldn't, they don't, they wouldn't understand it and it's intense and but I feel like good, really proud of the song and look forward to them listening to it someday and getting to experience that side of who I am and, and the passionate person I am about some of those serious topics or about trying to immerse myself in someone else's experience in life and their root of their pain and try to express that through a story um, and really try to invoke the emotions that they have felt, may have felt. Um, so I feel really grateful to be able to experience that in songwriting, through songwriting, though that experience other people's, uh, what you know, perceived experiences in order to, to feel compassion for that and to try to share that desire to um, invoke compassion in other people for people who may be having a hard time in their lives and, and need um, to be looked at or showcased or loved for a moment through a song. I have a song that I've just written, actually, and that I'm excited to record soon. Um, That is really a letter of sorts. Not very many of my songs in the adult space are actually about my own life, but this is one that is kind of a letter to the good men in my life who, in spite of being as wonderful as they are, still cannot internalize or really understand or feel appropriate levels of rage about how the inequalities and sexist reality that women still endure in our culture. So it's called Just a Girl After All. And though it's not appropriate for my kids right now, I'm raising a daughter and a son and it's going to be an important message to talk about with them over time and maybe in their teenage days if I'm not too you know embarrassing or lame for them to (laughs) listen to at that point maybe that's a song that will invoke some thought and conversation that we need to have okay I wanted to say in response to the question about whether adult music is appropriate for children I, I think it's really important to say that I think it I don't think 
grown-up songs wouldn't appeal to kids because kids' songs should be more dumbed down. I've gotten that question sometimes when other people are looking at or critiquing the word choices in songs and they're saying, well, would kids understand this? And I think they're not relating to what it's really like to be a kid the way I can and I have a lot of memory of my childhood from age four five and up so I know um, that even though there were things I didn't get or understand at that time it didn't mean that I wasn't having complex thoughts or that I couldn't grasp complex thoughts Um, and I, I have so much respect for children and I think the music we make for children should reflect that respect we have for them so the appropriateness, I think, has more to do with the subject matter, but not necessarily the word choices. Keep smart words in the things you write for children. They may not understand everything right now, but they'll keep those things and, and they can keep, and it's part of their process. I also think it's really important, or I, I think it's important to me, to keep my, my children's songs smart and funny for the sake of the parents listening to them as well as the kids because it's part of the parents' experience as well to to be listening to these songs over and over again, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully for the sake of me, uh, my music uh, being shared, but, you know, I know what it's like to get tired of listening to a song, so (laughs) I feel for that. I've had parents say to me, I don't get tired of listening to your music. I actually can listen to your song. And I just got that thing the other day about what was going on with this. And that was so cool to have listened to it as many times as I did and find another layer to your song. That's like one of the coolest things anyone's ever said to me about my songwriting. I, because I am a, a parent listening to kids' music and I know what, I know what that experience is like, so... Let's see. I wanted to get to the funny story about my mother-in-law, though, and the awkward position I put her in. I do have some songs that contain contain da, 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 some curse words. One of them is called "My Credit Sucks," and uh, it's basically a country song. The banker's resting high on a hill. Don't know how to bleep or sleeps I never will and I'm I said bleep but the it's the f word how the effer sleeps I never will but and then I have another one that's called that's so effing Portland which is the weird city I live in the the city everyone wants to keep weird I guess anyway I released that's so effing Portland before I wrote any kids songs and I had some of my friends come in to record on the song and they sang in the background is it the gray that brings our colors out is it the gray that brings our colors out um because this song is about the crazy things you find in Portland like nude bicycle riders and goats wandering in the, through the city and um you know the creative place that we live in um but then I started recording kids music and putting that out there and really trying to do something in that space and so my mother-in-law on the other side of the country in South Carolina was sitting down with my nephews who were in elementary school and middle school at the time. And she said, oh, let's go listen to Kelly's music. Kelly's welly putting out music. Um, and so she took him to the computer and she went to, instead of going to kellywelly.com, she went to kellycaldwell.com and the auto th- player popped up, I guess, and started singing, that's so effing Portland, but not with the, uh, with the expletive, like, in full front there, that's so effing Portland, so effing Portland, and (laughs) she was sitting there with 
the two nephews, her two grandsons, right next to her. And I think she said she scrambled to try to figure out how to turn it off. And, um, and that was the nephew's introduction to my music. So pretty awesome. <laughs> Actually, that is a pretty awesome story. And it's one that I think people who write for children and write for adults can probably shudder a little bit when they hear because it's like, oh, oh God. Like the one thing that you don't want to have is that sort of image, you know, kind of cross over in, when you don't want it to. But in this case, it seemed like it was probably okay. It sounds like um, that uh, Kelly, uh, that th- this situation probably resolved nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still... I think we should all just go along with the idea that it did and pretend it did just uh-huh. to lower our overall uh, stress. And anxiety. Chill out. Okay, so that was it. That was a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Kelly, so much for submitting, uh, taking the time to record all that. Mm-hmm. And now, as promised, we're going to... Would you just get to the other song already? Yes, yes, I know. I'm about to get... Get to the other song. I was going to get to that. No, I'm going to totally do that part. Yes. You're totally milking it. No, I'm not milking this. This is... No, this uh-huh. shit was a great thing. And now we're going to listen to the music that she does for adults. And this one is called... The Future Will Repay. I was going to say that. He's a sailor. Stuck in a factory. Never been to the ocean but he lives in the sea swimming in familiar and drinking day to day floating on a promise the future will repay he's a father if he remembers right never seen his little daughter but he does mean to write to tell her he's a champion a hero on his way to make this world better the future will repay wide of his life no way to ride no way to roam he's a goner if they explained it right 30 years in a bottle never could seem to fight he's waiting for the whistle to send him on his way Make his reparations, the future will repay. He's an island in the briny deep of his life, no way to ride, no way to roam. He's an island. The briny deep floating empties on the waves with the prayer inside. I find so many things about that song to be just really lovely. And I'm so happy that Kelly shared it with me. I see the contrast between what she's doing for kids and what she's doing in her more uh, adult geared music she is dealing with some very serious themes and you know she talked about that during the interview uh, that what she talks about for adults in that setting a lot of this stuff is not appropriate for kids it's just too heavy i mean i wouldn't want my kids exposed to it without at least conversation around it some way to sort of frame the conversation and even so i mean these things make me think it's a it's at a totally different level when it comes to pop music which it's not pop oh. music or maybe it is pop music. I don't know. I have no idea how these definitions work. But I know that I like that. And I really appreciate uh, Kelly for, for sending it in. And I wish her well. I hope she keeps going in both venues. And I'd be very curious to hear how that works for her and, and how she, uh, she manages the, the marketing and how she manages the balance between those two things. I think it's just fascinating 
what she's doing and, and how she's going about doing it. And mm-hmm. there we go. That's it for this edition yeah. of Barn Banter. Finally. So uh, you want to tell me about your story? Uh-oh. Just shoot me an email. Jump yeah. over there to that website, cowboyandy.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, you know, uh, uh, sign up for the podcast. And shoot me an email. Uh-oh. And uh, we can totally get you on here. You can do the same thing. I'll send you the same 20 questions. Oh, uh, the first question okay. is, okay. Like what's your favorite uh, oh. color?